done I am the darkness coming on And I am once, I am twice I am the whole, I'm just a slave Single Tree Podcast Non-duality as the goal of existence Joe Pug was the intro music you should check out Joe Pug great songwriter you can write a song he was also a playwright that's where he I did not know that how he started so okay. obviously a gifted writer that's apparent with some amazing songs yeah I like his stuff so perhaps non-duality is the goal so we'll define that a little bit I think another way you could say it is being non-judging I think that's when you said that earlier I think it is a good way to look at it non-duality is a little obscure you know <laughs> what I mean pretty out there yeah I mean essentially non-duality means not to right mm-hmm. yeah but that is just really expansive and can get really obscure and I think for the purpose of practicality in everyday life, right? And uh, I think it is a good way to be able to just say non-judgmental mm-hmm. or almost kind of just like allowing. Huh. Either way, nice. I think it's the same, you know? Okay. it's. E- I think it's easier to hold on to, mm-hmm. put your hands on to a little bit more concrete and feels a little bit more applicable to like mm-hmm. everyday life. Yeah. We tend to judge everything. Ourselves, others, the things in front of us, ideas. And uh, yeah. So we've talked about non-duality before on the podcast. Probably you know not just in specific episodes, but all throughout. And the idea of, you know, not judging our own inner experience, for example, we've talked about that quite a bit. Um, But we wanted to kind of lay this out as one of the main sort of like goals maybe of spirituality or or even our meditation or, you know, just even a way to be human that's Mm. pretty large. And, um, you know, especially with what's been going on in our culture and the, the dialogue or the lack of dialogue, um, there just there just don't seem to be there doesn't seem to be a lot of resolution coming. <laughs> you know, the the divide or the the polarity um, continues. And so, yeah, I think it's applicable. It's something important to realize that. Uh, maybe not like deciding which side is is the best or is right is the goal and then certainly there's a lot of judging and contempt that's going on Um, and so non-duality you know working to have a non-judgmental stance toward other people or even ideas might be one of the ways through Definitely. So we'll lay out a little bit of how we tend to 
kind of our natural tendencies to judge and then talk about, you know, what it is like to be non-dual and then maybe talk about some of the ways that we've arrived at non-duality. Not that we've done that fully, Mm. (laughs) but how a person could get to where they're, you know, open to that idea. Yeah. Or that kind of stance. Well... So maybe we can talk about a little bit about what you think the function is of judging even. Like why why are we so quick to do that? Why is that so ingrained in just our op- operational function? What's the what's the point of judging? Why what does it get us? Why do we do it? Yeah, that's a good place to start. It's um you know, it's how you know things, for instance. You know, so when you're learning, when you grow when you grow up, you sort of learn, you know, this this is true and that's not, right? So there's there are facts, you know, like your multiplication facts or whatever, like this is just true. Right, which means you know, eight plus eight, eight times eight is sixty-four. It's not sixty-three, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it's a way that we sort of learn, and we learn to sort of like do analytical thinking, or um, yeah, it, to analyze things, and and that's the way that we learn about them. Or you know, we learn facts like you know about colors or whatever. Like this is that color, and that is that color. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's one of the first things that you learn, right? Um, and so, you know, it's the way that we sort of divide our world into opposites or, you know, it's a way that we we sort of like the truth comes forth to us. Um, and maybe it's necessary, you know, just to sort of understand our world in some way, right? So... So it's like one of the main ways we make it down the path of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a way that we, you know, it's like we were talking in previous podcasts um, about like defining ourselves in a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. If I am this, then I'm not that, right? And it's probably necessary for us to do that. It's kind of how we understand our world and it's how we understand ourselves. It's how we help. It's what helps us find some context yeah because yeah. without context everything is just one big blob <laughs> right right and then it's we can't make our way through yeah you have no shape mm. you have no definition or form mm-hmm. right so you know like Richard Rohr would say the first half of your life is about defining your container where you're you know taking on a form right identifying with something defining yourself by something and then you know the implication is that there's the second half of life where you in some ways discard that container or you know maybe you deconstruct your own form in a sense so there are so we you know we judge everything around us we we judge the things that happen to us you know like if something bad happens we think this shouldn't be happening or it's not fair 
right? And that's mm -hmm. another thing we learn when we're growing up about right and wrong, or you know, this is fair and that's not. You know, some of the things that happen seem like they're not fair and shouldn't be happening. And then we and we've talked a lot about this in, in previous podcasts. We tend to judge our own inner experience. You know, we have these sensations or feelings or you know, and we call them emotions. Um, and then we tend to judge ourselves for having them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And feel like we shouldn't be having them. Mm -hmm. Or we even judge our own thoughts, too. You know, you might have a thought and then <laughs> immediately go to judging whether it's true or not, whether it's right or wrong. Um, and Or you might, you know, have a certain way of thinking and if your way of thinking is creates anxiety for instance then it feels like it's not it's wrong like your your way of thinking is is wrong so then almost kind of what you're saying is that in any given moment we can find ourselves dealing with multiple layers of judgment going on <laughs> we have a thought which is judgment we're judging that thought which is a judgment, and then we're, I mean, there's, in any given moment, we can be weighed down with multiple layers of judgment. Right. And then, so is, like, what you're suggesting that out of an awareness of how that can happen, the idea is that we might be able to kind of consider the advantages of stepping outside of that a little bit and slowing it down so that we could at least you know maybe work to try to remove like a layer or two yeah you can sort of peel back the layers if you if you really slow it down okay so you might feel sad right and then the there's another layer of judgment which is I shouldn't be feeling this. Mm -hmm. It's not okay to feel sad. Mm -hmm. And then the you know you're judging your outer experience as well. Like this shouldn't be happening to me. Why am I? Why am I having to go through this? Yeah. You know. So there's there's all these layers of judgment. And when we slow it down, you know, like sometimes we do that with people in therapy. Let's just slow this down and figure out what the initial sort of like response was or mm -hmm. emotion or something, and then. Maybe by slowing it down, you, you know, and that's when all those like layers of judgment come and, and people sort of articulate those or whatever. Well, yeah. You can, so you can kind of think of it like if we can just allow the sadness, then really like our reality in that moment is much more whole and much less fragmented in that mm -hmm. moment. But if we're judging the emotion, judging our thoughts about the emotion, judging whether it shouldn't be our reality is fragmented then in that moment threefold. <laughs> At least, yeah. At least. That's right. Which, you know, when you kind of sit and think about it, that's, the implications of that is, that's a big, that's a big deal because it makes yeah. it hard than for us to deal with reality when you've got those multiple layers of judgment leading to all of this fragmentation of reality like in the moment. Right. Okay. I like that, thinking of it as a whole experience. Yeah. 
not fragmented or or disjointed or even tangential Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. there's all these like thoughts that you you don't need to be having yeah (laughs) judging yourself and your circumstances when all you need to do is be what you are so it's almost like maybe kind of what we're saying is that it might be reasonable to think that most of us throughout the day are living in maybe like a fragmented reality for sure far far from like a direct and present Hmm. and whole experience either with ourselves or with someone else I think that's a great way to say it it takes you out of the moment when you're judging it right or you know let's say that you're sad or scared or whatever you are doesn't matter you know you you might feel like other people would judge you or it's not safe to be that or something mm-hmm. you know so then you're thinking about what other people think about how you're feeling yeah which is totally unnecessary right i mean in a safe place yeah it's a Unnecessary. So then you're sort of like not in your own experience. You're just, you belong to someone else almost. That's, that, that's fragmentation too. Sure. That's a good way to put it. So I think the, the reason, one of the reasons that we're talking about this is because of, you know, the kind of impossibility it seems of being able to reconcile the two sort of like ways of thinking in our culture. You know, there's probably more than two. Obviously, there's more than two, but like, there's a lot of like the pro- progressive conservative divide that we've talked about, um, and it just sort of feels irreconcilable, right? For for those two things to like make sense, and there's not a lot of like healthy dialogue between the two, as you've probably noticed from some of your personal relationships. I know I've noticed that, and mm-hmm. you can just kind of see it in the culture. So that's you know. It's, there's a lot of like right or wrong thinking, you know, like my way of thinking is right. And so by definition, everybody else is wrong or, you know, definitely the, the people who are opposed to me are, are wrong. And so that's obviously another way that we're pretty dualistic and judging in our, in our mentality or our thinking. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's not just judging other people. It's actually judging their ideology, you know, mm-hmm. or being able to say my way is right mm-hmm. or objectively true. So that's another way that we are dualistic or judging. And so, yeah, we're kind of t- already talking about how how we can be non-dual, but I'll just run through a couple of ways or a few different ways that we can be non-dual, non-judging. And one would be what you already mentioned, which is just to be present, right? And when we get fragmented, it's that's a way that we're not present in the moment with what we are or how we are. Definitely. Another way we've talked about maybe a little bit in the past, just being like in the flow, feeling like you're just, fully engaged in what you're doing, which is another way to say of being present. But like sometimes we, this is a more active 
um, phenomenon. It's, you know, when you're like, you could just think of the thing that you, that makes you feel like the, the most like yourself, that the thing that you do that makes you feel the most like yourself, right? Like you were born to do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could be playing a sport or it could be doing carpentry or quilting or, you know, um, just talking, having a conversation with someone where you, when you feel the most alive, something that just feels effortless. Yeah. Like you don't have to really try too hard at all. It's just something that Mm -hmm. just goes. Yeah. And you're really not, and you're really not having any thoughts about it Mm -hmm. or about yourself. You're just like fully engaged in, in the moment or the thing that you're doing. So we'll call that being in the flow. We've also talked about beholding paradox in the past, which is another way to be non-dual, which is when you hold two apparently opposite things or opposed things in tension with each other and maybe take like a third party stance toward Mm -hmm. them. And when we do that, you know, sometimes we see as solutions emerge or sort of new thinking, creative thinking emerge which is helpful. It's like, we call it thinking outside the box sometimes. Yeah. Alternatives can be found there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's like the dialogue that's grinding to a halt, you know, in so many different places. And, um, you know, contexts, uh, you know, suddenly if we can take a third, um, party stance toward those things maybe we can actually get to some solutions um yeah so finding a third way is is basically what that is yeah not just settling for there's only two things liberal and conservative Mm -hmm. um so yeah, those are just some different descriptors or ways that we can think about being non-dual. You know, what occurs to me as you're talking about these ways of being non-dual is that a lot of people might find these things stressful <laughs> or it might present anxiety to them. Why? How do you mean? Well, like thinking about having to be in a non-dual no what what I mean is that sometimes um, the idea of being present to someone like if they're considering that Mm -hmm. anxiety comes to them yeah right or like if you said to someone um, you know you have all day to just be in the flow a lot of people would get anxious sure right yeah and definitely an obvious one that makes people anxious is beholding the paradox that's an obvious one that makes huh. that 
But there's this anxiety that that comes, I think, f for a lot of people in considering doing these things. Mm -hmm. Sure. How do you explain that, if you can? Well, I think all of these require us to let go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yep. I agree with that. It, it requires us to let go and or another way of put of putting it is to being willing to put yourself in a situation where you're loosening your grip on control mm. yeah which they're the same thing i'm just saying it two different ways but i think that's yeah. where that's where the anxiety comes. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the framework of control is is a helpful way to say it too. Well, and it that dovetails into what we were talking about earlier in regards to to judgment because judgment probably is a mechanism that helps us get control. Right? So For sure. Understanding our our experience or right. our, or our world. Yeah. It helps us get control. So we're day in and day out Now we're painting kind of a picture here, like, but day in and day out, if if what we're saying is that judgment is, and we're not judging judgment, it's not like it's bad, but when it's kind of, when it's, when it's too big or too pervasive, that one, that's when it starts to kind of add to this fragmentation of our reality. But if if what we're saying is day in and day out, in any given moment, we're we're in judgment probably in on two or three different levels and there's that fragmentation well we're doing that to get a sense of control and then all of a sudden do you know um someone comes and says you know you've got f f an hour or 30 minutes to just be present that's a huge it seems like on the surface that's not a big deal. Uh, but that's a huge paradigm shift because essentially what yeah. what you're asking someone to do is to let go of of this of this control that um that they're used to having almost minute by minute. Mhm. Mm you know, yeah. and that's that's kind of where like the the anxiety mm. comes. I think. Yeah, it's it's sort of counter to what is typical in our culture, which is you know you have to be busy <laughs> to doing something, and also like the you know you have to th you have to think stuff, <laughs> like mm -hmm. you have to know what you think about stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, being present and non-dual in this way is really not that no yeah it's not a place where you're having thoughts about thoughts about thoughts and you're not having feelings about feelings about feelings good yeah you know what i mean 
it's about having an, more of a, an experience where thoughts and emotions come, right? But you're, you're, you're in a place where you're just allowing and accepting it so you're not having thoughts about thoughts about thoughts and emotions about and emotions about emotions about emotions. You're going the opposite direction. Yeah. You're like peeling those back by just being silent or just being present. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, now we've arrived at already a practical, you know, implementation of non-duality. How to get there. You, you know, if you just take 20 or 30 minutes every day and like just try to be present to your own experience, then I like how you said like you're undoing. How did you say that? You're almost like undoing the layers of judgment minute by minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can just spend some time not having a thought about a thought, I mean, uh-huh. to me, that's a really practical, easy way to do this, right? Like, if you can maybe spend some time in considering, well, maybe not having a thought about a thought about a thought about a thought could benefit me and you are willing to try it Mm -hmm. I mean I can't help but think how that would lead you to like a more whole present experience but we're usually having Mm -hmm. at least in any given moment a thought about a thought at at least but you but usually we're having a thought about a thought about a thought or a feeling about a feeling about a feeling and maybe kind of what we're just talking about is just you know like letting yourself getting getting to a place to where you're not having three thoughts about a thought you know and you're just kind of yeah slowing that down a little bit so you know to people who are sort of used to you know, being locked up in their thinking a lot, this might be difficult because they'll be thinking about how to not have a thought about a thought. Oh, sure. Thought. And so, can you give any direction to like how to do that instead of like, you know, not not focusing on what not to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how to just have a single thought or a more whole experience I use this analogy a lot um I don't know if it's a good one but it's, and it was I think it's I use this analogy a lot because it was just kind of a maybe a personal experience or realization that I had when I was I don't know it's probably in my mid-20s where I had it was on a weekend and I had a lot of errands to go on to get done on a Saturday. And I had probably spent three hours driving around town, doing different things, right? Uh And it had occurred to me at a stoplight, like, oh, I've been driving around to all of these different places but I haven't had to think at all about actually doing the driving. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Uh I didn't need to think about that. Uh 
or maybe I needed, or maybe I had a thought, okay, I want to go here. And then that, like, that was it or whatever. But uh-huh. what, what I realized is that like, there wasn't all of this thinking that was necessary to drive. Like we don't need to think about driving from home to work. Uh-huh. Right. And so that that was part of the realization and then and then later you know i was sitting at a at a stop sign and then just kind of walk you know watching cars go by and i don't i doubt i'm the only one that has this experience but mm-hmm. you know when cars are going by i just w- watch them go by mm-hmm. i don't i'm not thinking about them much at all mm-hmm. you know but mostly you're just watching traffic drive by and so maybe it's not a whole lot different with you know this process that we're kind of talking about you know i mean we put so so much importance in our thoughts but i think we have to be willing to maybe consider how unimportant they are sometimes you know what i mean like they're all thoughts aren't important all of the time and how can we get any kind of perspective on that if our only way of operating is that every thought is worth thinking about all of the time you know what i mean like we've got to be willing to step outside of that yeah like it's really important yeah you know, every single thought isn't worth thinking about. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about like how a lot of the overthinking that we do or like being bogged down in our thinking or whatever is because of kind of anxiety or whatever. Like, you know, like I like I need to do this one thing, mm-hmm. you know, like I need to get this done, whatever it is, your task for the day multiple tasks or whatever um and how that can take on like you can you can be doing a lot of thinking (laughs) there can be layers of thought about that one thought exactly right but the thought itself you know i need to do this um is not really problematic right it's like isn't that enough (laughs) it's like it's like the driving like i'm gonna push the gas pedal because i need to go yeah we don't need to do that Right? Like, we just know we need to go when the light turns green. We don't need to think about... And you don't think about it. Okay, I need to keep my hands straight, and I need to push on the accelerator just... We don't need to have all of those minute little thoughts to accelerate and go through the intersection, you know? Yeah. I think of hunger a lot, you know, because, like, the feeling of hunger is... I need nourishment or I need to eat something. Yeah. No big deal. Right. Go get a snack. Yeah. But that's not how it typically goes for us a lot of times. Yeah. There's a lot of thoughts about what we eat, mm-hmm. when we eat, mm-hmm. you know, how much we eat of it. And, you know, so it can be problematic. But, like, if you're hungry, you should get something to eat. <laughs> that's right. being human. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or, you know, if you're just running errands, like, just drive to the place. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I think 
I, I think some of this has to. We have, in considering this, we have to be willing to con- to to think about. We have to be willing to reconsider the importance of of thinking, and yeah. how, and we have to be willing to consider how thinking actually causes mischief for us. You know what I mean? Yes. Too much thinking. Right. And I don't think, you know, we don't give ourselves much opportunity to really think about how much mischief is caused because we're having three thoughts about one thought. (laughs) So maybe it's more about just letting it be. Letting it be would be a good way to think about it. Yeah. And you can sort of, you know, this is kind of silly, but like you can narrate your own experience a little bit and just then you then you can have only one thought mm-hmm. right so like if you're driving to the store you can just your thought can be i'm going to the store yeah exactly so th- that's a good one because what it reminds me of is there's this like uh like in zen buddhism which uh-huh. it's interesting they have they have this technique to where it's it's just called sitting like mm-hmm. you're not meditating on anything specific or profound at all you are only sitting you're that's you're only sitting that is it that is that is the whole experience in meditation you're not thinking about sitting you're not doing anything you are only sitting and so maybe you know that that's like i think part of the function of that experience or exercise or whatever you want to call it is uh-huh. to put us in a place where we're not having a thought about a thought about a thought right right and it in time what happens is that that sitting uh-huh. that sitting becomes easier mm-hmm. if we can endure a little bit of that anxiety yeah, because there's just there's just sitting. Yeah, that feels that feels good to think about that. Mm-hmm. And you know, you might say internally, "I am sitting." That's and yeah, and that's it, and that's all. That's all that needs to happen, right? Like, yeah, this just is what the, I'm doing. Yeah, just this inner declaration or experience of I'm sitting and like staying there and so and sometimes they'll even draw that experience out like if you need to go somewhere then when you're driving that's all you're saying to yourself is i'm driving i'm driving i'm driving yeah i was gonna say because there's you know there's an interesting thing about this because we you know we talk about you know meditation being present practicing these things right and you know sure a lot of people's responses sort of like I don't have time for that mm-hmm. you know like my day is full I could do you know I could literally do things all day and not get everything done every every day that's my experience um, and so I think the thing that's really interesting about that is that your whole life can become sort of a meditative experience because you can 
in the same way you're sitting and thinking I'm sitting, you could go to work and think I'm working. 100%. I think there's a huge misconception out there that you have to be alone in the woods or be on the top of a mountain, you know, in the Himalayas to, to do anything, to do any helpful meditation. And that's not true at all. I mean, you're exactly right. It's accessible with anything that you're doing. And the reality is, is that we're present all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're not, we go in back and forth from, being present to not present i mean that's that's the that's the experience of it but in reality we're always present because that's just right. what we are right. we're always present the the multitude of thoughts gives us the illusion that we're not present hmm. but we're always present i think you know always yeah i mean it's helpful to it's helpful to have like a place or a time sometimes when you're just practicing presence, mm -hmm. right. To give you a foundation for how to do that. Definitely. In your other experiences or in your other, your other activities. But like, it's not like you have to be doing this for hours a day, mm -mm. you know, um, which nobody has time for that. Not a lot of people have time people. for that. Yeah. You could choose to make time for that if you wanted, but, you know, who has time for that? Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be that. It can be, you know, I am working. I am cleaning the kitchen. Exactly. I am parenting. Mm -hmm. I am putting my kids to bed. Yeah. You know, and if there's, you know, certainly there's time for more complex thoughts, right? But, you know, if you're if you're always thinking complex thoughts while you're doing everything, you're probably going to feel anxious. Y yeah, and I, I think what you know, if we give ourselves an opportunity to kind of do what what we're talking about a little bit, we maybe put ourselves in a situation to to get more clear about what complex thinking is and is not, you know, because mm -hmm. I think most, a lot of people think that, well, if I'm having a lot of thoughts about thoughts, that's complexity. And in some ways it is, but in some ways it isn't as, at all, you know, and we can, when it's we, very inefficient. Exa that's exactly what I was about to say is that there's, if we're, willing to do some of the things we're talking about um, things become more like refined and efficient and clear there's clarity right. you know yeah yeah I mean just complex thought like a thought about a thought about a thought it's such a waste <laughs> yeah you're, you're not actually getting anywhere with your thinking and that's and that's people's experience, right? They, they, they have this sort of anxious thinking, judging themselves, mm -hmm. and it's just like this cyclical. I'm just judging my my own thought, you know, and so I'm never actually getting anywhere with that, or you know, getting to any kind of solution, you know, or cha or changing course or anything like that. It's just like cycling. So there's a lot of thoughts 
lot of complexity in the thinking, but it doesn't work at all. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of thoughts, but usually with when we're having thoughts about thoughts and about thoughts, there starts to be like a rigidity. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and then um, out of out of that rigidity starts to come just more repetitive similar thoughts it Mm -hmm. starts to be i don't know if recursive is the right word but it it starts to get extremely limited and rigid and the more the more it's allowed to happen the less flexibility there is at all yeah totally and this is where you get bogged down in your problem solving. You, you can't do creative problem solving because you're trying to sol- solve the same problem like, mm-hmm. with the same type of thinking and you never, it never goes anywhere. And so you don't ever come to any solutions. Mm-hmm. You just keep like, yeah, recursive. I think that's good. It perpetuates itself. Sure. You know, and then pretty soon you feel really anxious. So I want to get to, um, you know, how this how non-duality can come to us and I think it's interesting like when because when you were talking about driving around doing errands um, how that just sort of happened and you didn't try yeah necessarily yeah it just sort of like came came to you and I think you know you're probably not the only one that's had that experience mm-hmm. but maybe other people just didn't know that they have had it you know everybody's been sort of hypnotized while they're driving absolutely highway hypnosis or whatever you just sort of are in some experience without and you know you're you've been driving for two hours or whatever Mm -hmm. you don't even know what has happened yeah just been driving without thinking about it which is interesting because like in those times like when you're you know driving down the highway for a couple hours or whatever most times we're aware of how fast we're going. Maybe not like totally yeah. to you know to each mile per hour, but yeah. we're we're usually pretty aware of of how fast we're going. We you know we're we're aware. I'm in the lane. I'm not going to hit a car. Yeah, you know, like but we're not. We're aware of. Yeah, but we're not having all of these thoughts about all of these minute things. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So. What I would say is non-duality comes to you. It is not something that you necessarily like discover on your own. Or I mean, you, there are some ways that you can find your way to it once you know what you're looking for. But um, we all have these opportunities, I guess, to think in a non-dual sense or to, to not judge, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so we'll lay out a few ways that that happens to us and kind of these are our opportunities um, and it and it just comes, you know, you, you sort of reach this conclusion um, that isn't a conclusion at all, you know, that uh, your think your way of thinking doesn't work, mm. which is great. That's a wonderful thing to have happen, you know. Um, and this is happening a lot if people will pay attention right now, right? Because um, our way of thinking doesn't work, <laughs> you know. Um, you might you might feel frustrated with the dialogue in our culture because um, the way that you think is so different than some people that you care about even right and 
there doesn't seem a way seem to be a way to convince them that your way of thinking is right and so now you have an opportunity for this sort of approach to dialogue right mm -hmm. is you have to start thinking a different way uh, you can't just keep hammering away at the same points and hoping someone gets it because their frame their framework for understanding themselves and people and reality is different than yours right so that's a that's an opportunity to enter into non-duality when our worldview no longer works um, suffering is another way that we find our way to non-duality and like I was saying before we tend to have this view that life should be fair <laughs> that life and that good things should happen to us and when good things don't happen to us or bad things happen then it messes with us right and we you know we have to try to figure that out like how do we make sense of that uh, we can't we we can no longer have this framework or this mentality that the world is going to be fair to me right so that's another opportunity for us to enter into non-dual thinking or not judging our experience or what happens um, and then you know I would also put put out there that uh, you know just having like a moral worldview doesn't really work either and gives us an opportunity to um, practice non-duality or non not not judging um, and I think the way that this uh, has happened for me and a lot of other people is through like you know your faith or your beliefs um, and you know I think for example if you have a a view that uh, you know there's a right way to live your life or you just you know there are right things to do and wrong things to do you're going to get to an experience where that no longer works when you know you find within yourself um, you know like a darkness or even think about other people and how they act um, and you know so that morality no longer works mm. I don't know if that makes sense but that's kind of a way that we can find our way to non-duality as well so I mean d does an example come to your mind for for you about mm -hmm. how that yeah so I'll just talk about my personal experience if that's okay and then you know um, we can talk about how that, uh, you know, sort of is applicable for maybe other people who have had a similar experience as me, or you know, maybe they've just had a different one. But we all kind of start with our own, our own worldview, right? So, um, so I grew up going to a Christian church, right? And so that was kind of my background, like a lot of people in our area. Um, and so the the narrative or kind of the story that's there for people who are Christian typically and I'll paint with you know this will kind of be spoken about in generalities but um, the, the idea is that you know there's right and there's wrong right you, you first learn you know um, you know one of the major tenets really of Christian belief is that um, everyone is sinful right mm -hmm. so um, there's like what God says is 
right and wrong, the law, and then you know what we what we find out about ourselves really early is that we we can't be righteous or you know um, we we don't do right all the time. Everybody sins. Everybody messes up, um, and so um, yeah, that's like a major part of the the Christian narrative, right? That people are sinful. And so, you know, if we're going to be accepted by God, then God has to forgive us, right? And so then the Christian view is also that, you know, there has to be a sacrifice, you know, that um, if you're, uh, if you're sinful, then you, you know, the, like the punishment for that is severe, it's death. Um, and so like, something or someone has to pay the price for that and so um yeah there's the narrative that jesus paid the price for our sins right to make us to make it so that god is uh um satisfied and and is able to forgive us right and so um yeah it's this it's this worldview that starts with morality right and then there's kind of like a way through but it also still largely depends on this sense of um right and wrong like that's a major part of the story if that makes sense that's what it all rests on yeah right yeah so you know that being the worldview that i grew up in um you know i i think what happens is um (laughs) You, you know, you, you're, you're forgiven and, you know, like Christians would say, you come in, come back into a right relationship with God because you believe that Jesus paid the price for your sins or whatever. Um, but um, then you just continue to like find uh, kind of like darkness within, within yourself. And then you have to like figure out a way to understand all the other people around you who are also maybe sinful or even like don't even understand the Christian narrative, right? Mm-hmm. That they're forgiven. Um, and like, it starts to not make sense, <laughs> you know, or you need, or you need the, like this bigger um, understanding of it. You so know? then what happened when that started not making as much sense to you? What? Yeah. What? What did you realize then you needed to do? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not really sure. But, you know, I've realized that maybe it had to be something, there had to be something more than just like this moral understanding of myself or even of just reality, you know? Mm -hmm. That it's not just all about like you're sinful, but God forgives you and so everything's okay. Maybe it's more than that. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the ways I think that I've come to understand that more recently is like that God doesn't, it's not like just this transaction, you know, like that God um, forgives you. And so now like, it's okay. Like somebody paid your, paid your way. And Mm -hmm. so like, it's okay. Yeah. It's that it's more even about like, God doesn't just make it okay for you or whatever, forgive you. It's not just a transaction. It's also like he puts up with you. Okay. <laughs> and like, 
there's like this almost like you know absorbing of all the bad stuff that happens you know and so that just doesn't that just continue to maintain the division then or separateness what do you mean well if it's almost kind of like okay you know I'm a Christian now and Jesus paid my bail and I'm out on bail yeah I'm out on bail but I'm still a criminal right doesn't that experience keep you or anybody right like yeah separate from the whole if you then or like yeah you know if you look I mean? at it if you look at it that way like this is a pro- <clears throat> like this is a problem the fact that there's still like sin or whatever inside me you know and so the yeah there's then, that there's the separateness then and yeah but if you realize like it's not just this transaction that happened where somebody paid my way paid for my sins or whatever that God still like works with me even though I have all these things that are quote unquote wrong mm-hmm. with me or bad within me, then like, I don't know, it's sort of like this bigger understanding of, and this is what we do with each other for each other all the time. Like you, you accept people all the time who are to do things wrong to you. Or we don't. <laughs> yeah. Or right? we don't, Which right? is the, yeah. But you know, if you're going to be and maintain a relationship with someone, you're going to you have, have to like to. accept the fact that there's things about them you don't like. There's no other way. Yeah. There's no other way. So to me, that's like a, that's a way that I sort of like understand that my Christian sort of upbringing or understanding is a little bit, is a little bit bigger, you mm. know, um, than, you know, how most people think about it. I think, yeah. you know, yeah. it has, to, it has to be right. Because otherwise I don't know what to do with this bad stuff inside me. Well, yeah. Well, and what that looks like if you have difficulty with working your way out of that is there's just continues to be this downward shame spiral. I think yeah. probably just leads to self-destruction Yeah, because there's, if you can't find your way out of that or if you don't even realize that you need to mm-hmm. and you just go on perpetuating that and inflicting that on yourself then that, that the only way it would be self-destruction really. yeah 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 and so it's a yeah that's kind of the way that I've sort of like I think a lot found my way to this different way of thinking non-duality is by and for and this is true for a lot of people you know they um, we uh, think in terms of right and wrong about ourselves you Mm -hmm. know which gets back to that self-judging thing right like it's not okay for me to feel this thing that I feel so we're constantly judging ourselves and like so for me, you know, getting to the point where I realized maybe it's okay, you know, what I'm feeling mm-hmm. right now, right now, or what is inside me is okay, 
mm-hmm. you know maybe it's not the best thing all the time but like it's okay well that's I mean it's it seems you know like maybe on the surface really wholeheartedly doing that when you're having an experience accepting it and saying okay or allowing and giving yourself permission on the surface it seems like a simple concept or easy to do Mm -hmm. but if you really kind of step outside of that and look at how powerful that just that doing that is Mm -hmm. I mean that that's a big deal to mm-hmm. to be able to get to a place where you can really do that. Yeah. It it just it 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 seems overly simplistic on the surface, but that is there is a there's a huge amount of power in that. Yeah, so I'll give an example. Um so you know, we all have sort of like the ability to be angry and want to seek retribution uh, against people who harm us or threaten us, right? That's one of the most human things. It's That's part of what it is to be human, right? So from a moralistic standpoint, you, you, would, you might judge that, right? It's not okay to uh, seek retribution or to be aggressive towards someone else or to harm them, right? And, and yet, Every single day, I experience that sort of aggression. Mm-hmm. You know, if I feel threatened or or hurt by someone, right? Mm-hmm. If you take a purely like moralistic uh, stance, that's not okay, right? You right. can't you can't hardly accept your own experience. You you can't hardly accept yourself. You know, but from this other view, like the the fact that maybe it's okay that you're having that experience and maybe you want to shape it a little bit, you know, and make it be health, you know, aggressive in a healthy way or something. Um, and in a, in a way that is, uh, like caring for yourself and caring for someone else, then, um, it just makes it different. Right. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's, you know, it's almost like when we take that, purely moral perspective like you know revenge is not okay and okay like if you're holding that principle fine but if you're having the inner inner experience where maybe that's what you're wanting to do I think that's where we have the difficulty and fall into confusion because we're 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 get we're getting the inner experience mixed up with the actual behavior you know what i mean and mm-hmm. just because you're having the inner experience doesn't mean you're doing the behavior yeah you know yeah so from a moral stance you could say that's you know better <laughs> or as, as long as you're acting on it or whatever right yeah but i think that that morality can it if we're not careful it 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 clumps both of them into the, into the same thing where it's like, well, if you, if that's happening on the inside, then it's almost like that morality can make that internal experience the same as the behavior. And it isn't, yeah. you know, we don't make that 
but distinction. We just, but we judge our inner experience. Like, yeah, because like the oh, yeah, the inner experience is 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 like is like the behavior, and then it becomes it, and then it's it's yeah, yeah. So we need to kind of you know wrap it up, but I think I feel like I've just taken us down a rabbit hole <laughs> a little bit of my own experience. But no, it's good. I wanted to talk personally about how you know, this sort of thing sort of comes to us. And maybe, I mean, if you want to, you can talk about how you've arrived at this or, you know, we can save that to another time, um, for another time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, per, it's a personal thing, how each of us come to this type of thinking or just these opportunities for non-duality, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. do you, do you want to talk about how that's happened for you? Um, I feel like there are a multitude of different ways that that's come up for, for me, but mostly it's trying to, it's been through being aware of this inner experience and holding on to this principle of like wanting to be good or doing the right thing and it not lining up and that just being really a really difficult experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think over time that just kind of, it wore me down to where I had to find a way to reconcile these inner experiences and how I wanted to be that, you know, mm-hmm. because it, the perspective I was taking wasn't working and mm-hmm. uh, it was just causing confusion and self-condemnation and Mm -hmm. all of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the more it it started with allowing myself to have this inner experience and giving it permission Mm. uh, without judging. That's what it started with. And it was as simple as that for me. Yeah. It's almost, it's kind of similar in a way mm-hmm. you know not morality maybe but like your ideal self or something yeah yeah like having an idea of how I wanted to be right but yeah. it wasn't like I had that idea which isn't bad but can be mm-hmm. so I had you know I had that idea but then like my inner experience it's like wait I'm having these inner experiences that are different from yeah. how I want to be there's there's this disconnect and this confusion and I the only way for me to start going down the right path of working that out was to first of all understand that you don't have a lot of control over over what arises in your consciousness or what reaction you're going to have Mm -hmm. at least internally like Mm -hmm. you have control about what you can do about it but oh yeah you know, just getting to a place to where I could accept that and not judge it and condemn it helped me kind of like fall more in line with like who or how I wanted to be. Oh yeah. Accepting yourself first Mm -hmm. as you were. Mm -hmm. It helped me kind of actualize the kind of what, you know, how I wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll wrap with that and maybe we can finish the discussion more. About Sounds how, good. About how this arrives, how we arrive at this 
personally. But yeah, it sounds like that's you know pretty similar. We mm-hmm. we experience this dissonance, you know, and then the tendency is to like self judge. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, we need to stop doing that. <sighs> yes, we do. We kind of accept ourselves as we are. Right. It'd be a good practice. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Talk to you soon. I am right now, I am back then, I will return, don't ask me when. I am the disappointed kiss, I am the unexpected harvest.